You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Monday, February 15th, and today we've got a special guest, an ESPN Steelers reporter, Brooke Pryor. Brooke's going to talk to us about a lot. We've got to talk about Marquise Pouncey's retirement and with J.J. Watt being released from the Texans, the realities and challenges of bringing him to the Steelers to join his two brothers, TJ and Derek. And finally, you've asked for it, we're bringing it back. Mock Draft Monday begins this episode. You put in your picks. I'm going to pick a winner for this week, like we will for the next few Mondays going into the NFL Draft. It's an exciting show, all for you to hear today on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, and Google Podcasts. And if you want to help us out, leave a five-star review with a positive comment on Apple Podcasts. Doing so, we'll get you a shout-out at the end of the show. Let's get into it. All right, we're back here. Hope everyone had a great Valentine's Day and a great weekend. It's Monday here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Today, we have a very special guest, our first person from ESPN. I am so glad that she is gracing our air. It's Brooke Pryor, the Steelers beat writer for ESPN. Brooke, how have you been? It's so great to have you on the show. I am great. I am looking at uh, six inches of snow outside (laughs) my window. I hear that there are more coming, so I'm glad I went to Costco and now have, like, a, just a whole supply of stuff in our basement. So nuclear fallout, snowstorm, whatever, we're set. <laughs> Glad you guys are ready, Brooke. Let's get right into it. The big news, of course, everyone wants to talk about right now is Marquise Pouncey. His retirement is made official. Brooke, of course, there there were a lot of discussions that came out of this. One, is Pouncey a Hall of Famer? Two, you know, how necessary was this move? Three, does this mean Ben's not coming back? But you got to the beat last year. So, you know, you last year, and it's crazy. Last year, you saw Ben getting hurt. And now this year, you know, you're seeing guys, guys, you know, a guy like Pouncey retiring. He was such a mainstay for the Steelers for the past decade. And you could even see he probably helped define the center position during that decade um where do you see the biggest impact on the team as it is right now because this is a locker room with a lot of young guys in it and Pouncey was one of the was with Ben he was of the most senior guys to kind of lead the team in you know in the locker room and sending those kind of messages yeah I mean I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the leadership aspect of of just the void that he leaves especially because Last year before the season, you have Ramon Foster retiring. That's a leader on the offensive yep. line in the locker room. Then you have Pouncey now retiring. And it kind of felt like once Ramon went, okay, well, now Pouncey's the obvious veteran voice. Now you have Pouncey retiring. Alville in a wave is going to hit free agency. I don't expect them to re-sign him. Dave DeCastro, I mean, I, I think he comes back for another year. But I, to me, it's just another sign of this changing regard that we're starting to see the younger guys take over. And there's nothing wrong with having a younger team. I think in a lot of ways, this line needed a younger group to come in and kind of refresh the, the, the mood, the vibe, the, the on-field product, all of that. But there's still something to be said for that veteran leader, that veteran voice, the guy that, I mean, to me, it was not, it was not lost on me that as I was scrolling Instagram right after his announcement, one of the first posts I saw was from Mason Rudolph. Like, mm-hmm. of course, Mason Rudolph's going to be sad that Pouncey's gone. Like Pouncey was the first guy to jump up and defend him, mm-hmm. you know? So to me, losing Pouncey is just creating such a void there of that voice that 
you know, when they were playing terribly against the Colts in the first half, it was Ben stepping up and saying, we need to have fun. We need to be better. And he was saying it in a measured way. And then from talking with guys, they told me that Pouncey was then the other guy that was saying what Ben was saying, but just in harsher terms as only Pouncey can do. (laughs) And I think that you're going to lose that. You're going to lose that guy that has that decade of credibility that can deliver, you know, messages that only he can that's going to be a huge loss and add in the fact that now, you know, you're trying to decide or Ben's trying to decide what he's going to do. Does he really want to break in a new center for one year and, and lose a friend, a guy that he said, where I'm going to play as long as you do. And now that's that first domino gone. So to me, it just, it speaks to the instability of the team right now and trying to figure out what its identity will be going forward, because we know that this is an organization that they don't do rebuilds. But these retirements and looking at the cap situation, they may be forced into a rebuild that they really that they, they don't want to have that kind of season, but it may be their only option. That's the reality here. And and I think on top of well, Marquise Pouncey deserves his flowers. He deserves to get the respect for the career that he had. But the reality is he was not a very good center this season. He didn't blow people out, out of a gap. He he did, was not a pulling and blocking lead blocker that though he, he had been in the prime of his career. And of course, you know, people are gonna look to that playoff game and see, man, like the snap of the head and the second year in a row that he's done that on the first snap of a game. I mean, people forget he did that to, with the Rams game last year. The Steelers defense just made that not matter. Um, because they were able to pull that win out. But to me, like this was this was there, there's some band-aids that have to get ripped off when you do things. And I feel like this was one of them. Like you said, this team needs to find a new identity in its offensive line. And I, I say this a lot because there's a lot of people out there that's, that say well, they just need to tear everything down and just completely rebuild. I'm like, well, not necessarily that. They do have a good young nucleus of, of really good players. Devin Bush, TJ Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, and guys like Stephon Tewitt are, are, you know, are in as in there is going into his prime. Uh, young receivers like Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, guys that you're excited. Where could they go with these players? But they haven't had to invest in the offensive line since the early 2010s. And now that has finally come full circle. And that's going to be a priority in this NFL draft. By the way, we will get to that in mock draft Monday. Locked on listeners. Do not worry. That is still on the agenda here, but Brooke, that's you, you, you were talking about how this is going to impact. Maybe, you know, Ben has to look at this with a reality, a center to a quarterback's relationship is vital. Not just from the simple, they hand them the ball, but from the center picks up on the blitzes and the adjustments and and seeing the same thing. And these two have been together for what, 11 seasons? Like there's, that's not a chemistry that you just get by working with a guy in a training camp and saying, okay, we're good to go now. Right, exactly. You know, to me, the analogy that just popped in my head when you were describing like, okay, now it's time to fix the offensive line. It's almost like a house like the Steelers right yeah. now have a really good structure like they like they've got the foundation they've got the walls up this and this house was built it was great it was a beautiful house for a long time but now you've got to re- you've got to replace the roof it's an inevitability it's going to be expensive it's going to be painful but like you have to do it that's where we all are with this offensive line like you have to replace some of these guys it's going to be expensive it's going to be painful but it's a necessity and to me like the biggest thing is that center because I mean, yes, you see Hassenauer played well. He, he was serviceable in the games that he had to step in for Pouncey when Pouncey went on the COVID list. Is he the future of the center position? I don't think so. I think that this is now another position that they have to address in a draft when for a team that started out 11-0, their wish list for the draft is pretty long and yeah. pretty extensive. I mean, they could draft an offensive lineman with every single pick. And even then, like, be like, okay, well, yeah, you needed this, but they, <laughs> they would still have a ton of other 
with, but I could see an argument for, yeah, just draft a ton of uh, the, an entire offensive line. But I think that it's going to be difficult, not only because they're going to have to bring in a new center. You've got at least Adrian Clem being promoted in the offensive line room. Right. So there's some continuity there, but we're looking at another off season of virtual OTAs, virtual mini camp, who knows where we'll be by the time training camp comes. But you know, the Steelers, I think were able to get off to such a good start because they had that continuity between Ben, between the line that even though Ben's coming off an injury, he still had the familiarity and the relationship with Pouncey that they didn't need to take a thousand snaps through all of that stuff. He's going to need that no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who the center is, they need that experience. And I don't know how you're going to get that, especially if it ends up being a rookie. So to me, that's a huge area. That's just a lot of question marks. You're going to need to draft an NFL ready center. There aren't very many guys out there that are NFL ready centers as they're coming out. Um, but I think it helps that you've at least got like a young guy like Kevin Dotson yes. in that room who went through a similar experience last year where he played pretty early in the season after being drafted as not necessarily a developmental guy, but somewhere between developmental and NFL ready, just coming from a smaller school. And he passed that test really well, not having much of an off season. But I think that they're going to need to lean on a lot of the things that they learned last year for how to, to get these rookies used to this, to, to being in the NFL without being able to be in the city but it's just going to be amped up times 10 with the center position and whether they're learning to work with Ben or Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or whoever that is. That's just, to me, the biggest question of the off season going into next season at this point. Absolutely. And we're, I'm sure we're gonna have this conversation a lot on a lot of different platforms about what the, what direction the offensive line is heading. We got another thing to talk about because there was other huge news that dropped Friday that everyone in Pittsburgh is talking about. We'll address, of course, JJ Watt in just a minute here. But first, we got to talk to you about our friends at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, the only place that we trust here in the Lockdown Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to betonline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word, and that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Right now, sure, the NFL's done, but you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters, all one words, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Brooke Pryor of ESPN. Brooke, it feels like if it, like, like that unfair thing where, you know, Marquise Pouncey announces his retirement. That was supposed to be the news of the day. Everyone's going to talk about that. And then it just gets shoved to the side because J.J. Watts is released from the Houston Texans and just all hell broke loose in, in the news, and especially on Steelers Twitter. And I'm telling you, Brooke, I mean, you saw it. 
I was just like, I was just like, oh gosh, here we go. And like, I know it's coming. Wesley Euler, who does Steeler Nation Radio and ESPN Pittsburgh Radio in Pittsburgh, we developed a gimmick on, on Steeler Nation Radio last year. Whenever someone would get released or there was some rumor that was floating around, we would play Jaws music and you just hear like, like the Steelers fans are coming. Oh no, they know that this guy's a free agent. Ah! That's that's how I felt now with J.J. Watt. It's like, forget the buildup. It's just here in your face. And of course, everyone's like, Steelers, go get J.J. Watt. And, you know, all salary cap realities be damned. That's what everyone wants to talk about. But, Brooke, the obvious conversation is what is the reality that J.J. Watt would even consider this? Of course, the only pull the Steelers have is we got both your brothers here in Pittsburgh. And, sure, that's great. But the Steelers right now estimated with Pouncey's uh, with Pouncey's $8 million coming off of from his retirement, I estimate it's around like what $22 million in cap over the cap right now. They have to make moves with Ben. They still have to restructure some other guys. There's a lot of work to be done just to get them back to even or get them over the place so that they can re-sign guys like Zach Banner, maybe Cameron Sutton, you know, you know, guys on their roster before they even consider bringing in a guy like JJ Watt. We're you've covered the NFL, you've covered sports. What is the reality of even making something like that happen with a guy saying, yeah, I'll take nothing to come play for you? I mean, look, I'll admit if if Steelers fans are Jaws and they're the shark coming into the setting, <laughs> I was throwing chum in the water. I was like, let's, let's stir it up. Let's, let's just get really excited about this thing that is probably not going to happen. But I mean, look, I, I am probably naive when it comes to this. And I think that I am more likely, I am also terrible at managing a budget of my, my own budget, much less like an NFL budget. But I will say that I don't think that we should underestimate the, the power of family and wanting to be together, especially knowing that JJ Watt is beyond the back half of his career. He yep. could be in the last, you know, two to four seasons of it. And he played for so long in Houston. He made so much money in Houston. Not only that, he's one of the most marketable NFL stars. He's made a ton of money in endorsements. To me, I have to wonder where he is in balancing wanting to win a Super Bowl with wanting to be with his family because he's won, you know, defensive MVP awards. He obviously, you know, jokes with TJ about that all the time. They joke about being, you know, the best uncle to Derek's kids. They're together as often as they can be in Wisconsin. Like, I look at that and I have to wonder how much is that going to play into his decision because there is something that could be really special about him coming to play in Pittsburgh. And is it a situation where he says, okay, I'll come to Pittsburgh for a year. I'll take a vet minimum. Let's just see how this works out. And we'll go from there. Like is, could that happen where he takes a short-term deal just, just to feel it out. And then he hits free agency again and goes to Chicago or goes to green Bay, something like that. Maybe I, I think that there are a lot of things that have to happen and break the right way for the Steelers to land him. I think that they should be considered a front runner because of how close the Watt family is and how vocal they've been about wanting to play together because they've never all been on the same team. They even rarely get to play against each other, which I've seen some suggestions that he would be a good fit in Cleveland. To me, that's really intriguing Mm -hmm. because he'd get to play against his brothers often. They'd only be a couple hours apart. It's easier for the family to come visit. Like mom, dad, girlfriends would all be kind of close. Like to me, (laughs) I like that better than like a Packers fit or bears, something like that. Like, I I think we could see regional. I just think that he's at the point in his life where maybe he starts to prioritize family a little bit more to me. Chicago is also a possibility because his wife plays professional soccer in in Chicago. So if you're looking at again, like the family connections and maybe, maybe I, I put too much 
you know, stock in those things, but I'm just looking at the way that Derek talked when he was signed here and how excited TJ was when Derek signed here and Derek saying, you know, it would be really cool for all of that to happen. And it kind of seemed at that point, like a pipe dream, like, yeah, right. In what universe are the Texans going to part with JJ? And then the Texans were like, you know what? We're blowing everything up. We don't actually want any players here anymore, except Deshaun. He's the one guy that wants to leave and we real, we're not going to give him up, but here, JJ Watt, be happy, go be free. Um, I think it's a possibility, but like you said, like their cap situation is so dire. I mean, they're, they're way over. They still have to sign guys. They still have to sign a draft class. Um, they have to figure out what to do about Ben. I mean, there are a lot of steps that have to happen. And the first one would be JJ Watt has to be willing to take a deep family discount and play for a vet minimum. He's worth way more than that. And if you're a businessman, if, if you are, looking at maximizing your earnings, no way in hell do you take that deal. But if you say, hey, I've been doing this a while, I'm on my last legs anyway, I want to finish a career in a place where I'm going to be happy and I want to value my happiness and my family time over anything else. If you know the pandemic put things in perspective, that could change things. So I think that the way that he ends up here is if he values the intangibles more than winning a Super Bowl and the money because he's also said, I want to go to a contender. I don't think the Steelers are a contender in the upcoming season and, and maybe even in the next two seasons. So I think that that could also sway him to pick a different organization. That's interesting there. Now um, you brought up the Browns. Now the Browns would be a team that reasonably could get this gun right now. They're projected to have about $21.7 million in cap space for next year. Um, and again, all these numbers right now are subject to, we don't know what the, what the base salary cap could be. Uh, you know, one the projection right now is 180.5 million. Um, there's reports that there's rumors. I wouldn't say reports, but rumors that it could, it could go up, you know, from that. Um, and if it does, that opens up a little bit more, but then teams of course will, will cut more players and, you know, restructure and resign and do things to open up more cap space to get, to pull off the decisions that, that they need. And the Browns would certainly be in that running. Uh, but you know, a lot of people, people bring up the Packers and it's like, well, the Packers, they're $19.8 million over the cap. Like, you know, it, after with Pounceys, they're like right in the same situation that the Steelers are in um, with Pouncey re- retiring. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does value. One team I've pointed out that I think would be very interesting is if he wants to really stick it to the Texans, he could go to the Colts because they have $69 million in cap space. <laughs> they could invest, they would, you'd get paid. You'd be on a defense that like with Darius Leonard and that they, they, they're, they're, they're growing, they're young, um, an offense that has a good offensive line, a running game. Um, and they, they need a quarterback and that's going to be a, a big issue this off season, but that's a place where you'd play the Texans twice a year and remind, remind them of, 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 you know, all your frustrations there. So that's a reasonable place too. But like, you know, when the report came out that 12 teams were interested in JJ Watt and the Steelers were among them, it was like, that's the, that's what you have to realize. Like Steelers fans, like, it's not, you know, Brooke and I are trying to tell you that it's not going to happen for sure, but it's just there are so many hurdles that the Steelers would have to cross to get, or I guess to jump. You don't cross hurdles, you jump them. There you go, Carter. Um, but They've got to leap a lot of hurdles. Exactly. <laughs> you got to get need a, to be stretching a lot and, mm-hmm. and crossing a lot of fingers and <laughs> having TJ tweet out more WWE GIFs of like, come on down. Like, there are so many things that have to happen for this to happen. And that's not saying it won't because right. crazier things have happened. Cra- I mean, we saw Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff get swapped. I mean, who thought that that's how this would all, that this kind of free agency and trade, you know, open trade time before, before that opens, 
that that's already going on. So like, think it could happen, but there are just lots of things that have to break perfectly right. It's not, it might be the perfect situation for the Steelers to want him, but the Steelers also have tons of other needs that they don't necessarily need a J.J. Watt. It, right. I mean, nobody's going to say no to J.J. Watt if he says, hey, I'm coming to you, but there are just, there have to be so many things that have to break the right way. So it's it's fair to say the Steelers are a front runner, but I wouldn't go buy, you know, a set of Watt jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, w- I would maybe hold off on that. And and if you get them, like, make sure that you can return them. Yeah, right. It's not, it's not going to happen like just, just that quickly. But um, and another, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about here is just the, the reasonableness of where he would play for the Steelers because they already got like $30 million sung into Cam Hayward and Stephon to it. You're getting another defensive lineman. Now where I think a lot of people that are, that, that are just slashing at this idea, they're saying, well, he wouldn't be able to get on the field or someone wouldn't, wouldn't be able to field." I think that JJ could easily bump to just being an edge guy that they could be like, you know mm-hmm. what? The Watts on the outside Hayward and to it on the inside. And then if we wanted to, if we wanted to get heavy, like with a three, four front, then maybe we would bump JJ inside and have Highsmith play the other edge and you could work it that way. Um, like, I, I don't think that is too far fetched, but again, it's how much can you invest into that front when you have to reinvest in the offensive line? You have to right. get, get a running back this year. And, and to be honest, Brooke, you know, I was talking about this with Jenna Harner on Friday, and I think it could be very challenging to, to, to look at this and say, you know what, if we make enough cap space, everyone wants to talk about Bud Dupree and Juju and other guys that they got to resign. But if you look into free agency, you know, do you try to do you try to make make create so much cap room so that you could go get a Corey Lindsay from the uh, from the uh, uh, from the Packers and address one of your weaknesses through free agency? Um, because I, I've talked to I've talked to Dale and I've looked at the history. The Steelers do have. I mean, with Omar Khan, he's pulled off some miracles as far as how did they go from over from over the cap at twenty million to under the cap at fifteen, and now they're signing people like you know mm-hmm. how last year it was unthinkable what they would be get a get an Eric Ebron at one point. Um, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they'll make enough cap space to make some moves. But then again, when, when you're factoring in J.J. Watt to that equation, he would have to take close to a vet minimum at most like a two to three million dollars. Like, 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 I don't I can't even fathom like like what in J.J.'s mind is like, listen, I could go to the Browns and get paid. I can go to the Colts and get paid. I can go to all the other teams and get paid and still, you know, have a relationship with my family. It's not like if he doesn't go to Pittsburgh, he's never going to see his brothers again. You know, that's, that's not that's not how that works. I just. I, I see that this is going to play into the Steelers, you know, tight situations of addressing some things that they know they can't address in the draft. That's where I, that's where right. I'm. Exactly. I also think, and I just, I don't know that there is a universe that exists where the Ravens have this trade with the Brown or with the Steelers. But to me, it's really intriguing that Orlando Brown is like, mm. I'm only playing left tackle. If you're not mm. going to put me at left tackle, I want to be traded. I, and like, I, I don't think the Steelers have the capital to, to bring him in. Nah. They certainly don't have the cap space. I don't see the Ravens being like, hey, we're going to give you one of our best offensive line players <laughs> in our division, divisional rival. Here you go. But I mean, but just the example of Orlando Brown being out there is like, yeah, you could go and yeah. get a, a, a tackle somewhere else other than the draft, other than like pulling within your organization. So when you're freeing up cap space, like I said earlier, you have other needs than another Watt brother. Like, 
that's like me looking in my closet and being like, oh, I already have 10 black dresses, but I really want this other one that's like 250 bucks. But I actually like need like real, like a blazer and be like, nope, you know what? I'm going to go buy another black dress. And be like, why? Why? I, I have plenty of those. There are other needs. Well, listen, uh, I will you, still buy it. So. You can still listen. You brought up budget issues. Like I, I've had that where I'm like, hmm. I do have Air Force ones, but these ones are in blue. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's this, I've had those moments. So I, I totally get your point there. And that's the reality the Steelers are in. It's, you know, if you get J.J. Watt, it's a luxury thing. And this team does not have time right now to do luxury things unless the person, unless the person giving you the deal there is giving you a huge break. So that's going to be the story. We got a whole other month until free agency even starts. So we will see how that goes. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, you all have been talking to me for weeks about it. We are bringing it back mock draft Monday. Now that we're a full week away from the Super Bowl and everything it's here. Brooks got a mock draft. I've picked one of your mock drafts as a winner this week in the locked on Steelers Facebook group. By the way, if you're not in that, go on Facebook, search locked on Steelers, ask to join the group. I'll add you as soon as possible. We're, we're over 1200 Steelers fans strong right now. Join that group and you can play mock draft Monday where you just submit your picks. And then I pick who, whose picks are the most interesting this week to talk about. So we're going to get to that right after this break. But first, a word from our sponsors at Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person and helps someone lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat during the day. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, but high-protein and high-fiber, and they're great for a keto diet. Instead of, of when you're tired and hungry at work and you need a boost to get through the day, instead of going to the vending machine and getting those cupcakes, or those Pop-Tarts, or those potato chips, get something healthy like a Built Bar. It'll fill you up, taste great, and get you through the rest of your day with the energy that you need. And Built Bar comes in 18 amazing different flavors. Six of those new flavors are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. You can get all those flavors by going to their website right now at BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host Chris Carter here with ESPN's Brooke Pryor. It is Mock Draft Monday. We have been waiting to do this for so long uh, because, I, you guys, I pace things out. I pace things out. You know, we have the season, so there's no reason to do Mock Draft during the season. The Super Bowl is over. Now we're here for Mock Draft Monday. Fantasy Draft Friday, it will return after the draft season. So all you people that keep bugging me about it, stop it. Uh, but uh, Mock Draft Monday, of course, is where uh, all everyone's going to be doing Mock Drafts to kingdom come until draft day. It's going to it's going to happen. But this is where we get some fun in. Um, last year, I gave you my mock drafts all the time, and I want to switch it up a little bit. I have, we have we have wonderful guests. We have Brooke here today, uh, and she's and she's as wonderful as it gets. So I wanted to get Brooke to have her mock draft on the show to explain to you her picks. We talk about them, and then of course every every week on Monday, you the fans I will over the week will have submitted your mock drafts in the Locked On Steelers Facebook group, and then I will pick one from there that I think is interesting. Talk about those picks. Um, and we'll go from there. And every week, I'll try to pick a new person. So we, hopefully we don't run into, you know, doubles and triples that we did last year. All right, Brooke, 
your mock draft addressed several key needs for the Steelers. Um, in order, you have the Steelers picking Elijah Vera Tucker, an offensive tackle uh, from USC. Javante Williams, running back from North Carolina in the second round. Third round, Quinn Miners, the uh, center from Wisconsin-Whitewater. And then you address linebacker with Monty Rice from Georgia. Jamie Newman with your fifth round pick. Um, another Georgia player, their quarterback. And then in the sixth round, I think this might be another fifth round pick. actually. But, but in the, with 217, you get Jimmy Morrissey, Pitt center. Um, and you get in the back end, you get Trey Nord at safety, Teron Jackson uh, at the at edge rusher, and Matt Bushman at tight end. You addressed a lot of these interesting, and you went after tackle first in the first round. You looked at, at, at that, and you looked at Elijah Vera Tucker's profile. This is a guy who played guard and tackle. That's a very interesting pick on your part because he brings versatility that even if he doesn't work right away at tackle, we know injuries happen. We saw it all this year. That's a guy who you could say bump inside. Let's get a backup a, a, a tackle to, to to put there if we don't have enough guards. Exactly. To me, that pick the the versatility was a he was that highest rated offensive tackle that was on the board. I did my mock through Pro Football Network. Um, I've mixed around with a couple of different mocks in the last few weeks. Pro Football Network so far is my favorite because you can do trades. Mm-hmm. I did no trades in this one and just <laughs> drafted as is because. And that just gets too complicated. Um, so, yeah, so I, I did no trades. And, yeah, I, I went with Elijah because I felt like the versatility is important. And we saw this season how often these injuries can happen when you have Wisniewski and Banner going down in back-to-back plays in week one. It was yeah. like, oh, man, this this is good. This can be really bad. Was it, it was Wisniewski and Banner, wasn't it? Yes, because yes, Castro yeah, was yeah. that. No, it was, it was there were so many injuries. Team. It's like I can't keep them straight. But you need to have guys that you can plug in wherever, whenever. I think that you could still end up with Banner as left tackle or Chooks as left tackle, Banner at right tackle. Elijah could be a backup at either of those positions. He could be a guard. To me, it's just I think that the key to every line is to have that versatility. And if you can get it in the first round with a lineman that's ready for the NFL, I, I take that all day. That's yeah, that's, that's absolutely where, where, where I'm going. And I've said, I've said all, all leading into after the Steelers lost to the Browns, a key position, they're going to be center offensive tackle on the offensive line guard. I feel like they've, they've bought themselves capital. I think David DeCastro, one thing people forget, he started this season injured. He couldn't practice. He couldn't play for basically a month uh, consistently. They had issues. He had issues. I think he's, he's earned at least the, the right to, to play play another year on his current contract, maybe you 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 restructure it a bit to help yourself out with the cap. But he's good there, and then you draft a Kevin Dotson, who by all means looks like a good. He's going to be a guard, but but tackle. You're hoping you can get Zach Banner back. A core four had had some some decent highs, but then some really big lows in uh, in, in the season. So there's questions there, um, and uh, so I think tackle's absolutely a position they got to draft. Even if you're saying Banner's coming back, a core four is there, and you know. But I, I think investing there is huge. Um, and, and this team, they if you're going to be a running team, which is what I think they need to get to. Even if Ben's around next year, this I, I thought this year was going to be a year where they invest more into the run game. They did. They end up not doing it, and then. You know, early in the season, run game was there, but as the season went on, when it did was not there. Right, it disappeared. <laughs> and when you don't have the guys, when you you can get away with 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 middle round talent, 
when people aren't looking for your stuff and you can occasionally mm-hmm. win with it. But the key is when, if you want to be consistent, you need top of the line guys to consistently win throughout the year. And they haven't, they didn't have that. So addressing offensive tackle, very huge in the first round, your second pick here. Now I know you're a UNC person, so, you know, there's a little bit of bias there, but Javante <laughs> Williams is a pick that I like as well, because he's a, you know, he's a, a bigger style running back than his, his, uh, his teammate, Michael Carter, who um, people saw in the senior boy, he's five, eight, but Javante Williams, 5'10", 220. Um, he's a guy that, that that shows that he can hit the hole, that he can read the, uh, the offensive lines in front of him. And, and, and I really think the Steelers need a guy who can show great vision in between the tackles. That's not something that they had a whole lot of this year. Um, again, not consistently enough. Um, and, and getting him in the second round, I like his value there. Yeah, and you know, I I – I was on the train of wanting Najee Harris in the first round because mm-hmm. I, I always liked that, you know, the the sexy pick, the first overall pick, like, oh man, look at this position player, look at this right. skill player, look at how like exciting this is gonna be. But I think that this is a deep running backs group that you're not gonna that Javante's not gonna be gone in the first round, that you know, Najee might go early, but there's still really good backs you can get in the second, third round to me Javante was the more explosive back between him and Michael Carter maybe more Mm well-rounded um I I really liked watching him last season uh I'm not gonna lie that I when I do my mocks I I mean my husband makes fun of me all the time when I do (laughs) fantasy I usually draft guys that I know or have covered or (laughs) went to a college that I covered but to me, Javante's the perfect combination of like, I have familiarity with him because I spent all season watching him in college football. He's a running back that Carolina does not get a lot of that. I'm, I'm not used to seeing UNC be a good football team. And he was a, <laughs> a big reason why. Um, and they have a big need at running back. I mean, James Conner, I, there's no way he resigns here. Benny Snell looked like he could be the guy at times, but he fumbled and just, right. it, it never was all the way there for me. Anthony McFarland's not going to be, your number one running back, they need to have a guy there and whether, you know, Javante or whatever back that they pick in the draft takes over as that cowbell from the get-go or whether it takes some time to develop. I just think that they've got to get a new guy in that room that can be a well-rounded back that can be that guy that can take 20 carries a game if they need him to. And they don't have that right now. Like I'm not convinced that Benny Snell is that guy. So use one of your high picks on that. I thought that they were going to do it last year. They obviously didn't. Anthony McFarland is not, you know, a JK yeah. Dobbins or something like that, that they could have gotten it had they gone with their first pick. I mean, the getting Chase Claypool was great, but when we did a redraft on ESPN, I think it was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. Dobbins was available when I picked and that's who I went with. So mm-hmm. I think this time they go second round running back. And if Javante Williams is there and if Michael Carter's there, either one of those guys to me would be really good value picks at number 55 overall. And, and you addressed the center position with the guy who everyone's talking about as the dark horse this year in Quinn Miners. Now, Quinn Miners played for Wisconsin Whitewater. No one talks about that school. I mean, they're they're not even – but when he showed up in the senior bowl, he dominated. And now everyone's like, ooh, I like that guy. So he's the shiny center pick that a lot of people are looking at because in my eyes, Brooke, there's no clear first-round center this year. There, there's yeah. – the, you know, everyone looks at Creed Humphrey. You know, Landon Dickerson has a strong injury history that, that you got to consider, you know – but those guys all look like second, third round picks. Quinn Miners would be a third round pick that some believe is NFL ready. I think it's an interesting pick to get your center there because then you've invested into it. If he doesn't work out, you know, you work around it. But that's a guy who you're at least saying, hey, maybe you're getting 
a guy that you, maybe he's as good as a Creed Humphrey or, or, or those guys that would be available in the second round. And this way, you've already addressed offensive tackle and running back. Your three top needs are right off the board in the first three rounds. Exactly. And Quinn Miners is a guy that I talked with Mel Kuyper Jr. last week after he watched all the senior bowl practices. And that was a guy that he kept mentioning that would be a really good fit with the Steelers that would address a need that they have. And I, I like the way that the Steelers draft because they're not afraid to go after small school guys. Right. Wisconsin Whitewater Cat that counts as a small school guy. <laughs> I they like those under the radar players. I mean, Kevin Dotson's a great example of mm-hmm. that. I think that their ability to draft and evaluate talent and their ability to do that even without, you know, the the they won't have a combine this year, but they didn't have all the pro days last year. They can't bring the guys in the same way that they would have before. I think that Yes, like Quinn Miners having a really good senior bowl is also good for the Steelers because they're a team that even before I started covering them, I, I noticed when I was down there covering the Chiefs, Mike Tomlin's on the sidelines with Kevin Colbert. They love going to these, you know, all-star invitational events. And I'm sure that they would have seen him there. They He would have caught their eye. And I think that he's going to be on their draft board and that they're going to want to get him if he's there in the third. I, I think it's a more than reasonable pick um, and a guy that I think a lot of people are going to start to talk about a little bit more as we get into draft season. Um, so, so absolutely great pick there of your later round picks. Again, you address, uh, you address needs for the Steelers. You get a backup center, Jimmy Morrissey, a guy who I've covered at Pitt. He in the senior bowl, he played left guard and right guard on top. And one thing I talked to him, he was like, I've never played left guard in my life. Like he's always been a center or a right guard, but he was like, you know, he's willing to adjust to that. And he, sh- and for those who don't know about Jimmy Morrissey, this guy, this is a guy who walked on at Pitt. He won the, uh, the walk on of the year award this year. Um, he's a four time ACC all American academic. Um, and he was a captain for Pitt's offensive line. And, and he exudes the kind of attitude that you want from a low pick from a low round pick. He's, he's not going high. He's going in the fourth, fifth, sixth round area. Uh, but if you were able to snag him, he would be a guy that I'd be like, okay, we can live with him behind someone and then being a replacement on your interior offensive line, the way that they use BJ Finney, the way they wanted to use Stefan Wisniewski. Um, and again, not costing you that much of him and your other late guys who sticks out to you the most of the, the later guys that you saw, like who this could work for the Steelers. So I'm really intrigued by Jamie Newman because the Steelers, you know, Art Rooney the second said we're adding to the quarterback room. And this yeah. was after they brought in Dwayne Haskins. So like they're, they're not done no matter, right. you know, what Ben does, they have to add a new guy. They don't have the draft capital to go up and, and get, you know, one of the top five picks. They're not going to get Justin Fields. Right. Um, to me, Jamie Newman as a later mid round pick, he's really intriguing. He was good at wake forest. He opted out at Georgia I think he has a lot of intangibles and could be he, to me, taking him there. There's not a lot of risk there. You know, right. you try him out. If it doesn't work. Okay. You move on. It's, it's a Mason Rudolph type situation yeah, where a Josh Dobbs type of pick where it's just like, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. You know, you, if you, if you can address those top three needs right off the board and take a Jamie Newman there in the middle. And in other mocks that I've done, I had Ian book going in the seventh because he was there. Mm-hmm. I think that you need to get a quarterback later in this draft just to try it out because you don't have the money no. to bring in a guy right now they didn't get Matt Stafford they're not going to get Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. they they can't draft high they've said that they're not going to tank so if they don't tank then they're not going to be you know in the sweepstakes next year for a guy like a Sam Howell and mm-hmm. yes that's my UNC bias showing again but like he could be <laughs> really good but they're not they're they are 
they're trying not to be in the conversation to draft a quarterback next year. So then they've got to keep going with guys in the middle, hoping that one of these guys pans out. Jamie Newman could be that guy because I think if he had played at Georgia and played a full season, he could have risen to be a second round pick or maybe a late first round pick, but there just isn't as much tape out there on him because he didn't end up playing last season. Um, I think that, that he, he was very good at Wake Forest. Wake Forest, though, is not, you know, the a hotbed of quarterbacks. It's where you get future bachelor leads. Uh, it's not, you know, they're not always known for their NFL products, but reality TV, they've got it on lock. Well, that's, um, that's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, sure, why, why not Jamie Newman? Try him out. I, I don't think that you lose anything by drafting him there if he's available. Yeah. And he was a guy that when I talked with Mel, a couple of weeks ago that he kind of zeroed in on is this should be your guy. Maybe you can capture lightning in a bottle with him. And if not, you didn't lose that much on it. Cut him loose. It's kind of like what they did with Paxton Lynch. Hey, may- maybe we can get him to work. If we can't, okay, we haven't invested that much. We'll move on to the next thing. So why not? Why not choose him and, and go from there? And, and another thing I keep reminding Steelers fans is that next year would be the year to try to make, to make a move. If you need, if you're desperate at quarterback, you assume that with Bud Dupree and Juju and James Conner and all the players, they're probably going to lose in this free agency period. They're probably going to get some good comp picks from that. And with those comp mm-hmm. picks, you can use not just to trade up in the first round, but also use as capital to say, Hey, let's put a package together to get the quarterback that, you know, next year, I'm sure there's going to be some other quarterbacks. that are going to be like, Hey, I don't like where I'm at. And they'll want to get a trade. And, that's a, a position of power because also next year they have right now, as it stands right now, the most cast base in the NFL. So that's where I think that the move could come. But uh, Brooks, right. Investing in quarterback late in the, in these rounds. And if you hit great, if you don't, who cares? You know, you, you, right. you know, it, it, it'd be the same kind of risk as if you took that pick on a wide receiver or a running back or a, or a defensive end, you know, it's just that here it's like, Hey, if, if, and Newman has a cannon, that's one thing you can, you can see uh, and no one can doubt. It's just going to be, how does he translate? You know, he opted out of the season. What does he look like? I mean, in the senior bowl, he had some impressive moments. So I, I look at that as a, as a good possibility. So great picks from Brooke there. Um, but I know a lot of you are like, oh, did I win Monday, the first mock draft Monday of the season? So without further ado, we're going to announce our winner this week. And our winner, uh, again, to participate in, 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 uh, in mock draft Monday to see if your picks get picked this week, go to Locked On Steelers Facebook group. If you're not in the group, ask to join it. I'll add you as soon as possible. Just search Locked On Steelers and you'll find it on Facebook. Um, and then I'll post like on Friday or Saturday so that you can get your picks in this week's winner. We had a lot of really good picks, but this week's winner is Randy Neeson. Randy Neeson um, did a great job here. Uh, You picked a lot of Steelers needs all throughout and had some interesting later picks too. Um, First pick off the board here from Randy Brooke was Travis Etienne, which immediately running back. Boom. Just get that. I I love Etienne. It's I mean, the speed, the ability to catch the ball, the, the, you know, lightning in a bottle. I think that he's not a typical Steelers back, but the playmaking ability would change a lot about how this offense works. And I mean, they've got Matt Canada as offensive coordinator now, which I don't think that we should overlook because he has a ton of experience in the college game. He's been at the forefront of redoing a lot of how college offenses, offenses work, making them more explosive, doing more versatile things with the backs, with the wide receivers, the pre-snap motion. A guy like Travis Etienne, I would be very interested to see in a Matt Canada offense. It would be very interesting. The second pick here from Randy addressed another key need, Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle from Alabama. Um, Leatherwood falling that far is very interesting to me because – 
there's times I'm like, I don't know, he might be first round, but there's some people who didn't like his senior bowl tape. And there's some people say maybe he's more of a guard than a tackle. But either way, Leatherwood is a big name in this draft. And anytime you get an offensive lineman from, uh, I almost said Lady Dickers, but anytime you get an offensive lineman from Alabama, everyone's going to be like, oh, like that, that could be a pick there. And then uh, doubling up on offensive line. And this is, this was the pick. This is really the pick that made me say, mm, you get what you're doing here, Randy. You pick Josh Myers, the center from Ohio State in the third round. That's a really good pick. Myers is one of my top center uh, with, with Quinn Miners and, and, and Josh Myers. They're not the same last name people. I know they just sound the same. Um, uh, uh, Creed Humphrey. And there was another one on that list, I believe. Uh, that I'm forgetting right now, uh, Landon Dickerson. Those are my those are my guys. You pick one of those guys, you're you're in a really good position. And to get Josh Myers while addressing the other two, that's just like Brooke getting Quinn Miners. This is a really good pick. And and Brooke, back to back offensive line picks, like you said, that's kind of what this team needs right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's, I mean, he essentially went with the same needs that I did, just in a little bit different order. And I yeah. think if you can hit those right off the top, then it gives you a lot more freedom to make some, maybe not riskier, but some some unconventional picks later in your draft because you've at least check, okay, take a deep breath. You've gotten the lineman, you've gotten the running back. Now maybe you're drafting best available. Maybe if there's an edge guy that you real that you had ranked really highly on your board and he falls to you in the fourth or fifth round, go after him. You know, I, I just think that that to me, hitting those needs right off the top gives you a lot more flexibility later on. So you're not scrambling in the seventh. Being like, I don't know if we got our guy on, on the offensive line. I know that we need some more. Let's just draft some bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think that that's, that that's the approach there of these later round picks uh, with the fourth round. Um, Randy went Sage Surratt from, uh, from Wake Forest, uh, bigger bodied wide receiver who's can be physical at, you know, going up for the ball. Um, uh, the draft networks describes him as a a big uh, a big slot receiver, which could be interesting in the Steelers' offense. And again, I don't think investing wide receivers bad at any point because the Steelers have shown that you know they're pretty good at finding the good ones even in the later rounds. And if you're losing Juju, you need to bring someone on the back end because you're comfortable with Claypool and Johnson and Washington as the top three guys. But you do need, I think you still need to provide some depth because at some point, one of them is going to get injured. You're going to need, you know, maybe two of them get injured. You're going to need backups. So investing on the back end there would be very interesting. But the the late pick that really stuck out to me, and again, this is my bias showing, but Rashad Weaver as an edge rusher in the fifth round. If Rashad Weaver somehow falls to the fifth round, that is insane. That man was a a, a consensus All-American edge rusher. He was just wreaking havoc at Pitt. Uh, this is a guy who was sacking Trevor Lawrence and giving uh, Jackson Carmen time. And Jackson Carmen, one of the best off- offensive tackles in this draft class. Um, I, I like looking looking at prioritizing this. And uh, Randy finishes off with, uh, uh, I'm going to mess this name up, Carice Tonga, an inter- uh, interior defensive lineman, uh, Malcolm Kuntz at edge, and a Royce Newman offensive tackle. But to me, getting a Weaver, because I do think the edge rusher position is a position the Steelers need to address in the later rounds because – you don't, you're not living with Ola Adini. You're not bringing back Cassius March and you need somebody to back up Watt and Highsmith at some point. Exactly. And I think that, that they did a good job and they hit on Highsmith last year. And Mm -hmm. I, he's not Bud Dupree. You know, he, when he filled in for Bud Dupree, he was not just Bud Dupree reincarnated, but he was good. And I think that he showed signs that he will continue to improve and be better. But 
I don't think that you can plug him in and expect him to play 100% of the snaps. Same thing with TJ Watt. I mean, we saw them rotating so much more this year, but I think that they do need help. I had, you know, Teron Jackson, edge from Coastal Carolina. He's an underrated mm-hmm. edge rusher in my draft as far as just like, you do need to have some kind of depth there because if you don't get them in the draft, then you're looking at an undrafted free agent. You're looking at, you know, bringing a guy in free agency, but you want to do it as cheaply as possible and getting as high quality value as possible. And that's a late round guy. And if you can get a weaver there in the fifth round, that's huge. Cause I mean, you, you never know how it's going to break. These are mock drafts, but yeah, if, if he's available all, all day. I agree with you there. So congratulations to Randy Neeson for being being our Mock Draft Monday winner. Try again, everyone else, to next week. There will be the, – the option will be there in the Facebook group. I will post it, post your, your a snapshot of your picks. Um, and, and, and try you can try different simulators. It doesn't matter if you if you go the Draft Network, Pro Football Network, you know, uh, uh, PFF. Although I will say for all you out there that are messing with the rankings, I saw some of y'all get Travis Etienne in the fourth round. You know who you are. Don't be messing with me with, like that. You don't you – don't win. Look, there's people that know how to mess with the settings and say, oh, we're going to prioritize these picks. And then all of a sudden they're drafting Trevor Lawrence in the, in the fourth round. And it's like, come on, come on, come on. I see you. I didn't even I know, know you could doing. manipulate it in that way. <laughs> I if mean, I saw that. I just, <laughs> no, that's, that's impossible. I wish, but no, that's, you're, you're not, Etienne's not, you're not finding him in the fourth round, but good try. But it, it, but again, hey, I appreciate the initiative, but those aren't the, the picks we're going to go with. We're going to try to stay with as realistic as possible. And there's some that are going to be like, whoa, how'd that be crazy? But we will explore those as we go on with Mock Draft Money. So thanks again for everyone. And thanks again, especially to Brooke Pryor for coming on this show. This was a lot of fun. We'd love to have you back a lot more throughout this off season. Um, I would like you to, to, to let people know how they can follow you, find more of your work and see things that you're working on. Well, I am on Twitter at BE prior, um, same thing, Instagram. And then all my work is on ESPN.com slash NFL. Um, you can also follow the Steelers team page on NFL nation and all my work goes straight there. A lot of my Twitter stuff, a lot of my stories, videos, you name it. It is all right there. Awesome. Do give Brooke a follow. She is great at what she does and getting us the Steelers news and insights all season long. Um, As you guys know, you can follow me, um, Chris Carter at Carter critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. Thanks so much um, uh, for, for, for those who do follow the show. uh, And also subscribe to the locked on Steelers podcast. Uh, We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted as well as Google podcast and radio.com now. Um, and if, uh, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review with a, uh, with a positive comment. When you do so, you get a shout out at the end of the show. Thanks so much for those who have done that. If you've done it, you could do it again, uh, do it again. Cause it still helps us out and lets us know everyone know what we're doing here. Thanks again for listening. Everyone we we'll back tomorrow with Tony Tuesday, our guy, Tony Serino. He's got a lot of reactions to what's going on here. And you know, he's tinfoil hat, Tony, he always got the conspiracy theory. So I'm going to ask him what's his greatest conspiracy theory for how the Steelers get JJ White. Cause he's going to find a good one. All that more tomorrow. Thanks again, Brooke. We'll talk to you then.